Hey, Proof listeners, it's Bridget here, and today I am joined by Kristen McGlory. Now, she's a New York Times bestselling author, and she's the face behind Food 52's Genius Recipes. I know that you all know about this. Now, she's here with us today, and she's going to talk about her new podcast, The Genius Recipe Tapes. Hey, Kristen, welcome. Hi, Bridget. So good to see you. (laughs) You too. Good to hear you and see you. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the whole Genius Recipe franchise? Sure. So I started writing the Genius Recipes column at Food52 in 2011, a long time ago. And then just over the years, it's sort of expanded and grown new tentacles and become a lot of other things too. A cookbook series, weekly newsletter, videos, and then most recently, a podcast. And the whole idea behind everything that we do with Genius Recipes is that these are the recipes that will change the way you cook. That's been the tagline for almost 10 years now. So they're the recipes handed down from what I've called food luminaries, people who have spent their careers working in food, who have stumbled on one way or another through like hot pursuit of of a new idea or just accidentally discovering something, something that is genius and that once they cooked it, they needed to share it with the world. And once we cook it, we need to tell everyone, call our mom, email our friends, tell everyone this is the way that I will do X from now on. Yeah, it really is remarkable. Some of the things are Uh, like forehead slapping moments. Like, really? That's all I needed to do to make my life so much easier? Yeah, so I I really enjoy it. And and now we're talking about the podcast specifically, which is the Genius Recipe Tapes. Yes, so that kind of directly spun out of this time at home, actually, with with the beginning of the pandemic. I mean, we had talked about... um, doing a genius podcast over the years and we had, you know, thrown out different ideas, but then specifically when we switched to uh, producing everything at home and I started shooting videos in my home kitchen instead of in our studio at Food 52, the conversations that I was having with the guests who would come on the videos, whose recipes I was featuring, just really changed in their intimacy. You know, we were all in the same boat, just trying to figure out how to get groceries and how to totally reorient our lives and our work around this new thing. And the very first episode I did uh, at home, which was interviewing Bryant Terry, uh, just very naturally turned into a podcast, which actually hasn't run just yet. We were talking about this grilled asparagus recipe that he had come up with for his book, but then also no one could get groceries at the time. And so he talked me through a million substitutions. He also talked about how his book tour had just been canceled. And like, we just had a lot more to discuss. So that very naturally turned into a podcast. Right. Well, that's one thing that I've enjoyed about it is the conversations that you have. It is not just a recipe cook-along, as you mentioned. It really is kind of tapping the brains behind these recipes and your reactions as well. That's something that I really appreciate. Oh, thank you. Well, um, Bridget, I would love to know, if any genius recipes come to mind from your own cooking experience, either things that you have stumbled on in your own recipe testing or development, or if you've stumbled on someone else's recipe and thought, why didn't I ever think to do it that way? Well, I don't know if it's a genius technique, and it certainly is pretty prevalent, um, but I love recipes that cook a meal and create the sauce. 
at the same time. So I'm a big believer in braising. Like the other day, turkey thighs were on sale. So I picked up a bunch of turkey thighs and I had a, I have a big 14 inch skillet, which I love. So I brown the vegetables, but I always brown them uh, and I have tons of them built up on the pan so that the meat sits on top of it so it's not touching the bottom of it. And then you pour in just white wine or, or chicken stock or vegetable stock and that way the skin sits above the liquid and it gets crackly and it gets crusty and the meat underneath starts to fall apart and it's juicy. And then you strain the vegetables and I just mount it with a little bit of butter at the end and it just it's like a lovely jus, vegetable jus to go over braised vegetables and then you get that crackling skin which I I love for chicken thighs or turkey thighs. So I, I guess that kind of hybrid braising thing. How about you? You know, I spend so much time testing these genius recipes. I really feel like these recipes are teaching me still all the time. I mean, I feel like most of my culinary education came from testing other people's recipes for the last right. 10 Same. plus years. <laughs> um, so, but the the downside is that then I don't have a ton of time to just electively find a recipe that I want to cook on my own. So the, t the times that I'm not testing recipes are usually just kind of patching things together from what I have. And those are actually probably my most creative and rewarding moments. You know, so patching together some random leftovers from a test or like using up the last of some vegetable in the crisper or whatever. Um, my The best moments really are when the fridge is at its barest because then I'm not just turning to the same five quick things that we always make, then sure. I'm, I'm really having to to stretch and, <laughs> and do something new. So in some ways, this, like the limited groceries we've been able to get um, have actually created a lot of, of opportunities for figuring out new things in the kitchen. Well, that brings us to the episode that we are sharing with folks today. You got to interview Sola L. Whaley, and she was talking about <laughs> her own version of Fun Dip. Well, you brought back some 70s memories for me. <laughs> Yes, this this recipe was inspired by a couple different things. Sola, she grew up eating idli poti, which are these steamed rice cakes that you dip into a spice blend poti. And it's it's something that's it's common in South Asian cuisines. And so these this dry spiced powder that you dip these in combined with the fun dip idea, that candy that that we probably shouldn't have eaten quite so much of as kids brought her to this ranch fun dip. And the whole inspiration came from road trips. She would cut up vegetables, stick them in a jar with a little bit of water on the bottom just to keep them crisp and fresh, and then pack up a little powder on the side of this, this ranch-flavored fun dip and dip those. But obviously, you know, when I was looking into this recipe, road trips were the furthest thing from my mind, but it was something that made for a lot of great work-from-home lunches. I love that it was a uh, road food inspiration. Um, one day we'll get back on the road. But it's true, when you're on the road, you don't have a lot of healthy options and certainly not shelf-stable options or car-stable options. And nobody wants to bring a big bottle of ranch around with them. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kristen, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Bridget. It was so great to be here with you. It was great to talk to you, too. And proof listeners, be sure to stay tuned for the episode of Genius Recipe Tapes. Hi, I'm Kristen McGlory, lifelong genius hunter. For almost a decade, I've been unearthing the recipes that have changed the way we cook. On the Genius Recipe Tapes, we're sharing the behind-the-scenes moments from talking with the geniuses themselves that we couldn't quite squeeze into the column or video. The extra genius tricks, 
the off-road riffs, and the personal stories that actually have nothing to do with the recipe that week. My guest this week is Sola El Whaley, associate food editor at Bon Appetit. We talked about ice cream floats, the scoop shop Sola's parents ran, and the very ambitious restaurant that she launched with her husband, and her Genius Ranch Fun Dip, a nutty, herby spice blend that's reminded me and my one-year-old just how fun eating vegetables can be. Hi, Sola. Hi, Kristen. (laughs) It's so good to see you. Yeah, you too. Thank you so much for joining. So first off, I would just really like to hear from you what the story is behind this recipe and this genius idea. Well, um, I actually developed it at the end of uh, last year in the winter for a road trip package. So it it went along with um, these other trail mixes that I did. The idea was it's something really easy to pack in your car for a road trip. No one's really road tripping right now, but it's still a really great snack to take to your desk. You know, when you're when you're walking through your apartment, you know, maybe put some fun dip in your pocket, feel like you're going on a long journey. Um, but like, I don't know. I don't know about you, but whenever I've like gone on road trips, I end up just eating like junk food, stuff from gas stations, lots of fast food. So I wanted like a really easy way to get some vegetables in there. Um, and the great thing about the fun dip is it has a lot of flavor, but it's totally like room temperature stable, you know, shelf stable. So you can keep it in your car for however. Um, and then if you pack your veggies in a jar with a little bit of water, they'll stay nice and crisp too. So yeah, the idea was just to get like a healthy snack in there in between potato chips. It, that's so amazing because I hadn't even thought about the travel aspects of it because obviously, you know, I have not been traveling lately and mm-hmm. I have just been enjoying it as a just fast work from home lunch. I feel like I end up for these work from home lunches. I'm just trying to do something that's really fast, like eggs or doing something with a can of beans. And Mm -hmm. then I always forget to have vegetables. And Mm -hmm. I am always kind of like, you know, in the last moment, like, okay, maybe there's no vegetables, but with this, (laughs) (laughs) fine, whatever. But with this, I feel like I have been eating a lot more vegetables because there is something. That's the goal. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I love dipping stuff into dry powders. There's a little dry seasoning in South Asian cuisine called idli povi. Some people call it gunpowder spice, but it's really similar. That's kind of was the base inspiration for it. And um, it's traditionally got toasted lentils and sesame chili, some spices. Um, and so I grew up eating that, like you dip your warm idlis in that. So it's like the same kind of vibe, but with different flavors. So it brings me a lot of nostalgia, both from the fun dip angle and from like the idli podi angle. And I'm glad that it's something like a lot of people seem to relate to. Yeah, definitely. So which, which would you say came first in that thought process, since there were a lot of good reasons for this I'm just curious kind of about the development process in general, both like what came first in the idea and then also perfecting the recipe. Well, my first thought was, was try and figure out a way to get vegetables to fit into your road trip. Um, and then after that, um, I just thought about the idli podi. It's what, like one of those things that I use almost every day. So it just felt like a natural evolution, but I wanted it to be more mild. So it's good for kids. Um, which is why I went with like ranch flavors. So I feel like it's like really accessible, the dill and the garlic and the nutritional yeast. It's like, it's got some savoriness, but it's really um, light and kind of fresh. And I think that a lot of palates will like it, which is tough when you're on a road trip with a family, you know? Wow. Another angle I had not thought about. <laughs> so many angles. <laughs> You've thought of everything. But you don't need a road trip anymore, you know, just for me, like the most exciting thing that we do is walk the dogs and sit at the park. 
So this is a really easy, like, it's, a, it's not even like a full formal picnic, but you can just sit on a bench and stack on these and it's like clean and easy. But the main thing that actually I needed to test a few times was how fine or coarse to leave the dip. If you leave it too chunky, it doesn't really stick to stuff. But then if you take it too far, the whole thing just gets like kind of clumpy, almost nut buttery bites in there, which also doesn't stick very well. So the main thing is getting it to the texture of wet sand. We're stopping just short of it becoming totally fine. It's, there's still like a, a little coarseness to it, but we don't want any big chunks. With this version that I'm going to do with the dried shrimp, I'm actually going to blitz the shrimp separately. Because a lot of times when you blitz together like two things that are two really different textures, nothing really evenly blends. But it wasn't, this wasn't like a, one of, a really, really tough one to develop. The hardest part was coming up with the idea of what's a good way to like create a road trip snack that's got vegetables in it that'll hold um, and be shelf stable. But once, once we come, came up with the concept, the actual development wasn't too hard. And how would you define ranch flavor that you were going for with this? I feel like ranch, I always think of dill and onion. Those are like the main things. Mm -hmm. um, and then garlic as like a back note. Um, when I'm making like a ranch dressing, I always have chives in there as well and like parsley. But I want to keep it simple uh, with just one dried herb. So that's why I just stuck with the dill because that's I feel like that's the most prominent. But if you happen to have other dried like if you happen to have some dried parsley or dried, um, I don't know, do they sell dried chives? I don't even know. I've never used it before. They do? I think so. And they look kind of funny. Like they're, because they're not in a powder. If I'm remembering correctly, they're like actually minced like chives and they just come out these little. Well, I mean, if you've got those, throw them in there too. I'm sure it'd be great. But yeah, I wanted to keep it simple. So just went with the one dried herb. Are there any other things that you would do with this besides dip? vegetables in it, you know, using it as an ingredient in other things you're cooking, sprinkling it over other things? Yeah. I mean, I really think it'd be great on a ton of different things, like roast some potatoes and sprinkle it with this. I don't know. Right now it's spring. There's artichokes. And you know how you like to, you, you rip off the artichoke and dip it in butter. Like, I think it'd be great to dip it into this or maybe dip it into butter and then dip it into this. Why the hell not? Mm -hmm. um, a great, like tasty crouton, like toast up some bread like torn bread and then toss it in this and then you got like a nutty ranchy crouton thing. Um, but yeah, I don't think you, and, and you had a great idea that you mentioned, you turned it into a dressing. Mm -hmm. Well, <laughs> thank you for calling it a great idea. I basically just made it back into its original form sort of. But what I did was um, I have been thinking a lot about um, using heavy cream in dressings lately because I feel like I've had a lot of heavy cream left over. And I've just been thinking about how cream uh, is thickened by citrus. I've been playing around with making dressings that are just a little bit of lemon juice, a little bit of heavy cream, no oil necessarily, and then some of this. And so it's a very kind of aggressive tasting ranch. I've never tried a dressing with cream, but it's a really good idea because I always, you get cream for desserts and there's always leftover. Mm -hmm. Need more uses for cream. Yeah, that's cool. I'm into that. I'm going to give it a shot. Oh, thanks. Um, yeah, and it doesn't take much to dress a salad. Like you don't drown mm -hmm. a salad, or at least I don't want to drown a salad in like really heavy, creamy dressings. So, well, and in a weird way, I feel like cream mm -hmm. is a little lighter than oil. Yes. Yeah. Huh? I Maybe. think we associate cream with heaviness because we're comparing it to milk. But if we compare it to oil, it's lighter. Yeah. I'm going to be busy making that um, cream based dressing. <laughs> <laughs> 
I can see how at your restaurant, your, your whole ice cream shop concept just got bigger and bigger and bigger. This is the Genius Recipe Tapes. We'll be right back. Are there other flavors that you have or would want to do with this besides the, the two that you've already mentioned? Yeah, I mean, you can really do, take, this is just like a, a base like technique formula and you can kind of do whatever you want with it. Um, you could go sweet and you know how um, after school, a really fun snack is peanut butter and apples. So you could do like peanuts, brown sugar, cinnamon, keep it kind of sweet. So it's like a really fun way to have peanut butter and apples, like dip some apples into that. Um, and today I'm actually going to, I want to go like a more savory route. So I'm going to use cashews. And instead of dill, I've got some dried shrimp mm. to like blitz in there. Cause I wanted to kind of have a little bit of that funky fishy thing. I was craving, um, satay. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I'm, I'm hoping it kind of tastes like that. I haven't tried it. We're going to try it together for the first time. So I'll see how it comes out. I love that. So you can just sort of think of a flavor that you're craving and take those spices and seasonings and just, and, and turn those into a fun dip. Yeah, totally. Just, just have fun with it. Go through your pantry, see what like nuts, seeds, whatever you've got, that's your base and then season it up however you like. Like, like who knew that fun dip, which is not so dimensional. I mean, it's, it's like, <laughs> it, we haven't really defined sugar it. Sugar into sugar. Yeah, dipping, it's sugar <laughs> with sugar dip. <laughs> Yeah. Um, we haven't really defined that for anybody who's not familiar with fun dip. What, how would you describe hmm. it? Oh man. Okay. I loved, I loved fun dip as a kid. Um, it was like, uh, I had to make sure no one, no parents were around cause it was like contraband. Um, and it's just, uh, if you haven't had it before, it's just a stick made out of pure sugar that you dip into a bag of powdered sugar. And it's just terrible. It's probably the worst thing for a child to have, but <laughs> It was so fun because of the licking and the dipping and then you eat your stick too. So that's why this is like the same vibe. The utensil is also something you eat. Yeah. And taking that principle of the fun, a fun dip of, of being able to eat your utensil, this has actually, like, this is how we just taught our one-year-old daughter how to dip. And she, and also it got her, um, so now she's dipping in lots of things. Like I had some chia seeds and threw those on her tray and she was dipping things in just anything that'll stick. And yeah, it's gotten her eating a lot of like raw beets and stuff, which is just kind of amazing. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's an activity too. So you kind of want to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you see the, um, the link that I sent you late last night about fun dip? No, I just, I just saw that email today. I didn't look at it yet. <laughs> Um, I was just kind of doing some digging around yesterday to find out more about Fundip itself. And it turns out that it was originally sold just as the powder, which was called like Lickamade or Lickmade or something. I'm not sure. It was one of those, like it has dots in the middle of the name. And then in somewhere around 1973, they added the sticks, the Licka sticks. And then also later they sold the sticks themselves. So every single component of them was sold separately and like the the link I sent you was um, just like the evolution of the packaging, which actually um, reminds me a little bit of the the like vintage things that you have behind you. Oh yeah, I have a thing for vintage things. I don't want to go back into that time, but I really like the stuff. Mm-hmm. I want to bring the stuff to myself now. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know they sold just the sticks. I think it may have been short lived. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I, they were, they called them yummy mummies and they were sort of, they had like a mummy theme. 
I, it was just like a blip in the eighties, I think. Oh, maybe because the true, um, genius of fun dip is the two together. Yeah. They need to be together. Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't think I remember as a kid, I don't really remember finishing the stick, but I remember finishing the powder. It was all about that dip. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I also wanted to ask you, you sort of already brought up, um, your parents not being (laughs) okay with a lot of fun dip, but yeah. As as someone who grew up with parents working in your parents' ice cream shop, did, mm-hmm. like what was your relationship with sweet things like? Was it was it kind of just you know sweets were not really a big deal because you were around them all the time, or um, what 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 was that like for you? Well, it was actually pretty interesting because you would think that growing up in an ice cream shop means you ate a lot of ice cream, but I was when I was a child I was allergic to dairy, so I didn't. I had the occasional sorbet. But I was like, I would just stick my head in the freezer and smell everything because I couldn't eat it. And then as soon as I got older, my allergies changed and most of them went away. And now I constantly have at least two pints of ice cream in the freezer at all times. Like ice cream has become my favorite food. And I think it's because I was around so much of it, but I couldn't eat it. I couldn't enjoy it. So now I have a sugar problem, I think, maybe because I was <laughs> deprived. <laughs> wow. That's so... That's so interesting. It, maybe if you had been able to eat it, it would have just not really been that big of a deal. Yeah, but I like built up in my mind all the magical things that ice cream is. So I'm obsessed with it. One of my favorite foods. <laughs> yeah, and you you did a lot of pastry and, and ice cream at your restaurant, right? Yeah, well, I really, well, I had all these goals for the restaurant that didn't happen, but I really wanted it to have like a old school soda shop vibe. We tried to train to figure out how to throw a ball of ice cream in the air and catch it in a cup. Never got that far. Like it, it it's so much harder than it looks. But we we did focus a lot on ice cream and like old school soda jerk stuff. So we made um, lots of floats and freezes, which is something that you don't see a lot. And it's when you blend the soda and ice cream together, not just pop it in there. A whole other drinking eating experience. We did lots of big sundays. Um, made our own like sprinkles and all of the toppings that go on top of it. So that was really fun, but it was an incredible amount of work. We did not have the resources to maintain it because we were making our own sodas too, which was a terrible idea. Like if I did it again, I would buy everything. (laughs) (laughs) That that sounds wise, but a little bit sad because what you're describing sounds um, like Wonka, like with it was very inspired by Wonka. But yeah, we made our um, we made our own root beer, which was really delicious. But we made it from foraged wild barks and roots, and then that just financially does not make sense. <laughs> no one wants to spend fifteen dollars on a Coke. And you were not foraging them, I hope. No, we had a we had a okay. root and bark guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we like that. The problem was it was just my husband and myself. So there was no voice of reason being like, you need to relax. (laughs) (laughs) The money was changing like every day just because we felt like it. But you need, you need a partner there who's logical. You should not pipe each sprinkle individually. (laughs) Maybe for the sake of the sprinkles and the customers and the business. But now as a recipe developer and as someone who is showing people what they can do at home, you like the fact that you have all of those experiences to draw from is just like it just makes your recipes and your stories so good oh thank you 
Um, wow. I Can you just describe, because I, ice cream floats are probably my favorite food. Really? Um, but I've never, yeah, but I've never had a freeze. A, like, does it not, like, do you have to worry about it exploding as you're blending it? No, I and mean. B, what does it taste like? Uh, okay, okay. So when, <laughs> it's just the, it's soda, syrup, and then ice cream in a blender. And when you initially combine it, it does kind of poof. But once you blend it, a lot of those air bubbles um, get knocked down. So you end up with something that's like a, a fizzy milkshake. Um, what I really like about it is it's a great way to enjoy sherbets and sorbets. So one of my favorite freezes is actually rainbow sherbet with Sprite and a splash of vanilla syrup. And it got, it's got like really kind of cool creamsicle vibes. It's really refreshing, but kind of feels like a milkshake. It's, I, I think it's like the ultimate summer beverage. And we would put some booze in it for the adults. <laughs> that I would go with gin for sure. Yeah. But, you know, okay. it depends. A little bourbon's nice in there. Um, little mezcal if you want to go smoky with the citrus. Whoa. Yeah. There's a lot of good <laughs> options there. Um, I'm very curious what you would think of my favorite childhood float, which I probably had at I developed at um, scoop shop similar to your parents, I would say. My very favorite soda was Sprite and my favorite ice cream was cookies and cream. So Whoa, <laughs> that's interesting. I stand by it, <laughs> but it is, like like you said about creamsicle, um, you know, something about the, the sweet lemon limey, mm-hmm. like kind of sting in your throat from that, from from a soda like that. And then the creaminess of the ice cream and then the cookies were a little bit bitter um, from the chocolate. So for, for me, it's still probably one of my favorite. Your float actually sounds like very sophisticated. Yeah. Because you got the creamsicle with the cream and the soda and then the bitter chocolate. That's like, I feel like that's a really, that could be a fancy plated dessert. <laughs> you know? I don't think it's that weird. I'm going to have to try it. Thank you. Well, I would, I would really love to see your like, fancy plated dessert version of it too. I'm sure I would, <laughs> I would love it. That's what I'm going to do for the rest of today, I guess. <laughs> Let's go get the ice cream machine. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Our show was put together by Coral Lee, Gabriella Mangino, Alik Barsumian, and me, Kristen McGlory. You can find all the Genius Recipes videos and stories on our site, food52.com. And if you have a genius recipe that you'd like to share, please email it to me at genius at food52.com. I am always hunting. If you like the genius recipe tapes, be sure to rate and review us. It really helps. See you next time.